Hey guys, uh, have you heard Bobby stuff? Bobby? Yeah, uh, Lighthouse Reflections. No. No. Haven't heard his stuff. It's cool. I, he almost reminds me of like my pastor when I was young. I don't know if he's a pastor or if he's even a, a Christian. I have no idea. But, um, but I don't know. I think uh, we all need somebody like Bobby in our life as a guy. I'll, I'll, I'll let you listen to him. But um, yeah, he's a cool guy. Z, I was taking a minute to call in regarding your segment about the refining of ideals and function as related to science and nature and the fact that lines don't exist in nature, at least not naturally, that they are simply segments of an arc. I love the way you put this piece together. It really, it really touched my heart to know that you're sharing this message with students and that they're getting the benefit and the understanding of um, an, a great education and that you're freeing their minds to come up with their own ideas and solutions to the challenges you put forward. Hey everybody, I just called up Sentient Future to talk uh, to him about an emotional control exercise that I learned from Chris Chan and um, it occurred to me I should probably share it right here, right now. Um, emotional control, of course, being the most important thing that uh, we need to do for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for our country. And if you believe in God, then for your God. I would even say that Christianity and other religions their main attempt is to help control human emotion. And when you exercise emotional control, you develop what is called these days emotional intelligence or EQ. Appropriately enough, huh? Because EQ, if you're into music, uh, you know how important EQ is. Equalization. Jeez, I would even say equalization and emotional uh, intelligence are synonymous. Now, I don't find that I do this exercise every day. Typically, I do this exercise when I feel like I need it, which is like drinking water. You know, if you find yourself drinking water uh, when you're thirsty, you're probably dehydrated. So the emotional exercise tends not to uh, come into play until I'm already emotionally off-balanced. So what I'm trying to get myself to do is to get into the habit of doing this emotional exercise every day. But I must say, it still works. In other words, if I'm off, emotionally off, and I start doing the exercise, it does help to bring center. Let me explain what it is. Now we have a whole array of emotions as humans that we experience and we go through and we ruminate. And in fact, this exercise takes advantage of our natural inclination to ruminate. Uh, in case you forgot, rumination is a big word for worrying. So we narrow the emotions down to the three basics. Less is more. Now the order of emotions will be fear, anger, and happiness. However, we're going to start on the emotion that you're being affected by. Like I said, I usually do this exercise when I'm emotionally off. So we essentially have to start with that emotion. However, if you're doing this exercise and you're already um, emotionally centered, then start with the emotion of fear. Try to get yourself to physically, emotionally, uh, psychologically feel the emotion of fear for 10 seconds. Now some emotions are harder to 
um, tap into than others, but don't worry about it. Just 10 seconds, at least you're trying to do fear. Okay, now 10 seconds of anger. You're trying to get yourself to psychologically bring yourself to anger. It doesn't, again, doesn't matter if you actually achieve it, you're just trying to. Okay, now 10 seconds of happiness. You're trying to psychologically feel happy. Now that's 30 seconds altogether, and we will call that one set. Now the amount of sets that you're going to do is entirely dependent on how quickly you can gain control of those emotions. Now it's best just to stand in Kimi Ma in a standing meditation and try to bring yourself to those emotions for just 10 seconds. Of course, we're always landing on happiness for the exercise. All right, now let's talk about these emotions. You know, there is no hierarchy, but it is important that we approach the emotional exercise um, in this manner. We want fear. We come into this world in fear. And eventually we get pissed off enough, say, well, hell, if we want to die, then uh, screw it. Then we get angry, right? And then once we realize that we're not going to die, then uh, everything's okay, then we're happy. So it really is a natural progression, emotional progression. We narrow it down to three of the emotions in order to simplify and strip away the complexity of our emotions. Again, we're not trying to understand our emotion. That pool is much too deep. We're simply trying to control our emotions so they don't control us. And we're certainly not trying to um, inhibit or control. I mean, suppress. We are not trying to suppress our emotions. We're simply trying to get control of a runaway buggy so to speak. And we have to be familiar with fear so it doesn't cripple us. It doesn't surprise us. And then anger. Oh yes, anger. My base fear. or Yeah, my base fear. <laughs> my base emotion. Which grows out of fear. Again, for sake of this exercise. And for me and for many, anger is a almost a positive energy if you channel it properly to get things done. And then happiness, yes, happiness, that place that most of us just always want to be and uh, like to abuse that poor emotion. That poor little emotion of happiness is just so abused. Everybody wants it. <laughs> My youngest kid, Bill T, his base emotion is happiness I would say the oldest he's probably like me his base emotion is anger and Terrence funny enough I think I might have like the perfect set of kids here because uh, I think his base emotion is fear and again that's just the base emotion usually how you how you wake up in the morning the emotion that happens when the unexpected occurs. That is usually how you find your base emotion. Now, does that mean that I walk around angry? No, no. Uh, or that Terrence walks around uh, fearful? No. It's good to note what your base emotion is, so that way you know which emotion you need to equalize. For instance, Bill T., uh, it's sometimes hard to get him to equalize uh, on his happiness when really he should be very serious. Sometimes when I'm angered, it's a challenge to equalize that emotion. 
So this emotional exercise was taught to me by Chris Chan, uh, Grandmaster Chris Chan, who was taught by Grandmaster Ipman, who taught Bruce Lee. I ask that if you share this exercise, that you please give credit where it's due. This is a very small part of the Wing Chun system. I will forever be grateful for Grandmaster Chris Chan for sharing this with me and for everything he has learned and shared from Grandmaster Ipman. Integrity Radio. Severity of action. There's something to focus on once you have yourself centered. Um, it'd be a lot easier to gauge your severity of action. Here's a critical aspect of the less is more concept. I will introduce to you a breakfast international. What that is is cornflakes. Yeah. Uh, granola. The granola. And some good old Kellogg's American Pop Tarts. Except no other um, imitation. Pops. Oh, Pop Tarts. No, corn pops. That's right. Thank you, Bill T, for your corrections. Valuable correction. Alright, and there you have it. Um, this is how. I imagine Europeans have cereal. Oh, and then of course some some liche over top of it, right? Yogurt? No, I think liche means milk. Leche. Milk is leche. Milk is leche, and that's in Spanish. In Spanish, yeah. See, and I was I was trying to get. All right, well, what what would be milk in some European? Any of the, like, French or Italian. French is lay. Ole. Ole? Mm -hmm. L-A-R-T. Lay, isn't it? Oh, ole. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cafe mm. ole. Yeah, that's it. That's milk. Cafe ole. Yep. Coffee with milk. Mm. All right. Had to make that correction. So the intentional cycling between the different emotional states, um, in your example, anger, fear, and happiness, um, that's an interesting exercise. I hadn't heard of it before. And I was just wondering what the goal was. Is, is it that you cycle through those intentionally and you happen to land on the one that you ought to be feeling right now? Or do you happen to land on the one that you choose to feel? Or uh, I guess, what is, what is the outcome from that exercise? Does practicing feeling them give you better control over them? Does it help you identify them better when they occur in real life? Um, yeah, I just, I'd love to, to learn more. And I figured this conversation is somewhat uh, private or off the air too, but uh, your call. Alan, I'm a bit of a rush, so I'm going to answer your question. And if I don't, um, if I don't hit on all the points that you had asked, um, please ask them again. Um, so what is the overall gist of, uh, this emotional exercise? Uh, one as just an exercise alone that you would do daily. Um, it's for you to experience the emotions and, um, experiencing, uh, drumming up that emotion and then moving, transitioning to another emotion in uh, such a quick manner is just an, an exercise um, for control, to develop better control. Now the function of it is to, uh, for martial arts specifically, is for when you are emotionally overwhelmed or uh, unbalanced, for you to be able to quickly balance yourself and center yourself. You can use it for both target emotions. So if you're trying to achieve an emotion, uh, you can use it for that purpose. 
or you can use it to um, balance your emotional state. This exercise does not really approach any of the concepts of non-emotion or um, that would be a good term, contentment. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, I can describe it, but I can't think of the actual term. Yeah, but it's Zen, a, it's zenning out or kind of. Yeah, in Chinese, uh, in Chinese, it's it's sort of no emotion. I, I forget the term in Chinese mm -hmm. as well. And this is a state, of course, that we have to be able to control as well. No zoning out. Yeah. So, yeah, very much so. No zoning out. So no emotion doesn't uh, imply zoning out. It implies being completely aware of everything that's going on and not being even emotionally affected by it. Correct. Yeah. And there's a time and place for that. Yeah. Usually not in any given human dynamic. <laughs> mm. Uh, asks Dr. Spock. He's always had problems in, in the group <laughs> setting, right? That's true. <laughs> so this emotional exercise is both a dessert topping and a floor wax. <laughs> Remember that comedy sketch, sketch from Saturday Night Live? That, show, that shows like how much older I am than you is. Um, yeah, it is both um, an ability to help strengthen your. Um, your emotional intelligence and it's also an exercise to use to gain uh, your center when you are off when your emotions are overwhelming or when you feel off-centered emotionally so uh, uh, it's an exercise with dual purposes a dessert top Duh. You're going to have to find that skit and play it. I know. <laughs> Dessert topping and a floor wax. All right, I'll find the skit. Oh, Alan, you've given me more to do, and, and, and we're, we're rushing around. No, I'm just kidding. Just, Thank you very much. I just much. made a post about us rushing around trying uh. to go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for calling in, and look forward to hearing more from you, of you, and all that jazz. And uh, if you're listening... Uh, go check out Sentient Future. Yes, great station. Yeah, very good. All right, see ya. Now, I know this is completely subjective, but I don't really ever recall hearing women debate over religion or spirituality. Talk about it, but not actually the debate. Uh, women debating spirituality. I don't think I've ever heard women debate spirituality. Yeah, what are we I've heard men debate about? women, women debate men, and men debate men. Uh -huh. But and, and I know this just might be my subjective, limited subjective women, perspective. Women and women? Women debating with another woman? Women debating with another woman. When's the last time you, I mean, other than just no. recently, but when's the last time you've ever debated religion with another woman? You have. Of course. You have. Yeah. All right. Well, I just, I haven't, I wasn't there. <laughs> I know. So, all right. Well, well, good. You, you uh, saved a lot of call-ins just now <laughs> of people going, you idiot. Are you kidding me? Women are people too, you know. Uh, well, all right. <laughs> and, and women speak a lot to other women. Oh, I would hate to accuse you of being <laughs> just a human. But yes, super superhuman. <laughs> I think perhaps women don't debate in the same way that men do, but of course, yes. Yeah, course. well, it would be interesting. I would like to hear more debates from women, per, women's perspective on spirituality and religion, and, and, and even science, I guess. But I don't know. I don't think there's much to debate science. It's rather you're stupid and you don't really know what science is, and you say you do, or... Well, I don't know uh, stupid but I think that um, perhaps you're denying, purposely or, or unconsciously denying what science is, but yeah. True that. The, uh, some sort of cognitive dissonance is going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, there's the end of that idea, concept. I don't even know what it was. What is that? An idea? 
Is that an idea? Is it a person, place, or thing? I think it's a rambling thought. <laughs> oh boy, we gotta watch those. <laughs> rambling thoughts. Well, I don't think the rambling thought is causing any damage. Random, maybe random thought. Random. That's a nicer word. Yeah. <laughs> By rambling, I meant just rambling around in your head. Yeah, rambling, yeah, yeah. Rambling, rambling, mm. random, whatever. I would say more of like a tinkling, but... <laughs> okay. End of segment. <laughs> So the other day I said, uh, you know, what's worse than someone disagreeing with you? The answer being them believing you. I think this speaks of uh, any attention you can get is better than none. You know, not liking to be ignored. Okay, somehow this relates to the story I want to tell. I'll try to tell it quickly. Um, I was invited for a weekend vacation on the beach on the North Shore of Oahu. Uh, this place called uh, Melikahana. Oh, I forget the Meli something. <laughs> Melikahana. Melikahana. Yeah. Okay. And um, I'd say there were about ten people there, just for the sake of math. We'll say ten. And um, they're all nice people, all from different places, visiting the island and pretty much uh, vacationing on the cheap by staying at this particular, uh, it's a paid campground. And one of my students was actually managing the campground and that's why I was invited uh, to go out there and hang out there and then maybe train a little bit. And so uh, upon the first day, we all got together and uh, you know we're in a circle and just talking and um, uh, maybe eating or whatever. And uh, one couple from a newlywed couple from Germany um, was uh, pretty pretty uh, openly and uh, repetitively uh, Christian. Um, and it seemed like all roads led to um, this guy sort of proselytizing his, um, his faith. And, um, as the evening went on, uh, you know, it, uh, the, the conversations pretty much revolved around, uh, spirituality and faith and, and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I was, uh, a little mm, off put by that, but whatever, you know, um, I just thought that they're much greater things to talk about. So the next day, and, um, you know, we go about our, our day having fun in the ocean and on the beach and in the wilderness there. And uh, at night, all gather together, and once again, the conversation starts. And once again is um, around this guy and religion and the assumption I immediately had by the, at that point, not immediately, but by that point, I assumed that I was pretty much in a room of, uh, or in company of rather, of, uh, predominantly very spiritual people, perhaps Christians. And, um, However, I started speaking out, maybe questioning uh, a lot of the concepts that were being thrown around, and uh, immediately upon doing so, uh, found that m most of the room was non-religious um, and and hardly even spiritual, which was which was very interesting. The very next day, I gave a gung fu demonstration where uh, I would let everybody have a chance of sort of pinning me down or beating me up. Well, you know, only a few of the guys were interested, and of course my student. Um, but the one Christian guy um, was very, very hell-bent on, um, on being the last one and kind of finishing me off. So, yeah, I just played with him. I did a lot of, like, jujitsu with him where I just put him in different arm locks and head locks and shoulder locks. And um, and so finally, yeah, I was getting a little tired by then. And, you know, I was really working on the guy overtime just to show him, right? 
So I, I decided I was going to hold them in, in a rear naked choke and just hold them there, not kind of put them out or anything, and just sort of relax. And right when I did that, he grabbed my fingers, two of my fingers, and bent them and broke them, just snapped them right in half. I mean, as he did that, I transitioned to a, a you know, side mount. And... I didn't even realize that my fingers were broken until I looked at my hands and noticed that two of my fingers on my right hand had were going in the wrong direction. So when I saw that my fingers were uh, broken, I stopped, calmly stopped the fight and um, got up and sort of angrily asked him what the hell he thought he was doing just grabbing my fingers and breaking them like that and um so then i grabbed my fingers and just kind of put them back into place and was, uh, i think i made shift tied some string or something around my fingers and um i was gonna continue fight he wanted to keep going and i was going to continue uh however i realized that at this point my um emotions might not be um, in a good place and um, at that point might have caused some severe damage so um, I just yelled at him and told him no because he really did want to just keep going uh, he was goading me to keep going uh, again after submitting showing him submission after submission you know all right, so I'm talking about the uh, the Christian couple on the beach in Hawaii. Uh huh. Yeah. So afterwards, you know, the I, the the party dispersed, and um, I left. They were going to be there. Most of those people were there for a week. I was just there for the weekend. You know, kind of do a free little seminar for the visitors there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mended my fingers and uh, it was no big deal. You know, it was a, a lesson for me to um, always pay attention, especially with somebody that really does want to do you harm. <laughs> and, oh, sure, there's people yeah. out there just looking un, un, No, but under the gauze of being a, a holy roller kind of a guy, you know. Sure. So, um you know, supposedly he was the most passive. In fact, he was the most aggressive. Um, so, and then the other story is, you know, if you don't speak up, you'll think uh, you're the only non-believer in a group. And uh, it's kind of made that way, you know, when everybody goes, okay, please stand or, you know, let's please pray. You know, they, it, it's, all, it's sort of a, a way, not sort of, it is a way of in-grouping and out-grouping. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So the irony of this whole story is um, that maybe a few days later, the I talked to the student and asked him how his job is going because he works as the attendant there at the camp, at the campground, uh -huh. and he says that um, the guy the next night um, left his wife in the tent and then found some other girls out on the beach and was making out with them and fingering them on the beach. Lovely. Unreal. Mm. And funny, out of the ten people, I didn't hear any stories like that from the other, you know, non-religious folks, non-spiritual, or not at least overtly spiritual folks. Right. And so, this seems to be a repeating right. story too. This is just not an isolated story. And I'm not and, and I'm not trying to say all Christians are like this by far. They're absolutely not. I'm not sometimes saying that. people that are so far in one direction or the other, it can go any way, are actually trying to in some way I think help themselves or cover up their actual traits or you know, there's there's a reason for it. Yeah. When someone is so far one way or the other, there's there's generally an underlying reason for it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, that goes back to what I said about zero or off-balanced. If they're too far to the left or the right, they are off-balanced. Yeah, or as Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, if you go too far to the left or too far to the right, you'll be in the ditch. <laughs> in the gutter. <laughs> in the gutter. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, this is just a story. Uh, you know, I'm not making any conclusions about any groups of people here. It's just a story that I like to share. And I think it's somehow connected to 
uh, what we're talking about, um, but I forget. So, but luckily it's recorded. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. Integrity Radio. Integrity Radio. Bill T in the house. What's up? Rob in the house. Hey. Terrence in the house. Hi. Ronnie in the house. Hey, Dogorado. Z here. Ready, guys? On three. One, two, three. Ruff! Hey, everybody. Z here. I want to thank each and every one of you for your support and your contributions. Uh, they are invaluable. Several of you have already echoed uh, these segments, but I'm going to be putting up, uh, re-echoing, I guess, two of my own segments, uh, re-broadcasting two of my earlier segments. And if there are any two segments that you could echo and propagate um, that I would really appreciate, it would be these two segments. Um, all right. And thank you again for those of you that are, uh, have already and are already echoing this segment. It would be really neat to see how long we can kind of keep propagating these two segments. The one segment is ideal and function. And the other segment is what if I'm wrong? What if you're wrong? And I want to give a shout out to Working Like a Woman, Sentient Future, Lighthouse Reflections, and Terrence and anybody else I'm forgetting, I'm sorry. You guys are rocking it. Oh, okay, before I play this, uh, re-air these segments. Um, If you already have heard this, then maybe you could do me a flavor and do some clapping. Yeah, um, that might help. Again, it would be neat to see how popular we could make these segments. And who knows, maybe we'll all get some answers to some of these deep questions that we all ask. Okay, here it goes. Integrity Radio. Hi, Unfiltered Radio. This is Z. You called to make a statement that there is a God. Now, if you were to call my station and say, I believe in God and I put my faith in God, there would be no argument. I would fight for your right to believe. But when you make a statement that there is a God, and then offer no proof, then all your being is an authoritative asshole. And I use the term asshole very respectfully. If you listen to today's show carefully, my children will explain this to you very succinctly. A wise believer doesn't claim to have proof, only faith. The spiritual camp does not get to steal the words and the meanings of the scientific camp. You don't get away with not studying quantum physics and mathematics and then connect the findings of those sciences to your philosophy of God. You don't just get to say the word theory and the word just. There is no such thing as just a theory. Theories are facts. God is not a fact, nor is God a theory. God is a hypothesis and an idea. And if you have faith and belief in that idea, there is no argument. It might be a bad idea, But your belief and faith in that idea cannot be argued. No more than I can argue with you if you liked chocolate ice cream 
when we all know that vanilla ice cream is better. So I'll ask you the question that my dad always asks. Which God? I'll ask you the first cause argument. Who created God? And of course, my favorite retort, your assumption that I don't believe in God may be flawed. I didn't say I didn't believe in the existence of God. All I'm saying is I don't believe in her. Now, if you actually have some sort of proof, I would love to hear it. But if you have no proof, you'll have to huddle with all the others that believe and have faith and trust in the same thing that you have. Revel in that. Because the frustration of running around and simply stating that something exists without any evidence is much like the little boy who cries wolf. You're not saying anything that's true and you're not saying anything that's helpful. I feel like this self-disenfranchisement is fatal to society, to civilization. That's why I'm posting this segment. I think it's important. Yes, you can blow this off as the same old drivel. But I, I agree with Randy that I think people mean well. We have to help them to accomplish their goal. Working hard to understand is the key. I'm not criticizing your belief. I'm criticizing your understanding and your ability to understand. Recognizing the flaws in your thinking are vital. You have to acknowledge the problem before you can fix the problem, before you can improve, before you can move on, before you can progress. And if you really love God, then for God's sake, come up with a better argument for the existence and proof of God. This is what I would call a dangerous waste of time. If I don't understand you, I'm going to hell, right? Well, I contend if you don't understand me that every man, woman, and child is going to get wiped off the face of the planet. Integrity Radio. I made this analogy with the kids and uh, we didn't get to record it, so I think I'll repeat it again. Um, science is like a line. Yeah, think of the first caveman that drew the first line with a stick in the dirt. And that was the first line. And then over time, the line got more refined. He got a stick and measured the line out. It wasn't a perfect line, but it was better than the first line. Then he found, or even made, a flat stick. And the line got even more refined. Then he found something even better to draw with. And that line got even more refined. And each time that line got refined, it didn't discount or disqualify the first line. See, that's kind of how science is. You know, they come up with theories, and then the theories aren't disproven. Theories are simply refined. You see, this is the scientific approach. It's part of the scientific approach. That and, you know, peer review repeated experiments. All right, if you're standing, you might want to sit down for this. Because with all this talk of a line, with all the things we have done with the line, with all the technology and the advancements that came about with our refinement of the line, the line does not exist in nature. All lines are just segments of a great arc. Now, when you free your mind enough to be able to think and comprehend in this manner, 
I think it's so much more fascinating. And I don't feel as if there's such a blurred line between ideas or ideals and function.
you are very outspoken as an atheist. Yes, ma'am. Is there anything that happened in your childhood that makes you an atheist, and are you spiritual? The image many people have of atheists is that it's some sort of rebellion against the, the Christians around. It was not that at all. My mom and dad, uh, it's very popular to talk about having dysfunctional families, especially if you're a comedian. Right. My family was perfect. Unconditional love from both my mom, my dad, my sister. Just I felt so safe and so protected. And uh, the pastor at our church was so open and intelligent and honest and smart that I just got this total love for people and for our, our life now and here. And, uh, and that's what uh, turned, me, uh, turned me into an atheist, was not so much a dislike of the spiritual, but a love of the, of the love and friendship and family I had in my life. Well, let me just say, the very fact that you experience love and the very fact that you give love is proof that you have God. Oh. Because you can't have love to give it or receive it without yeah. that being God. Well, I would because say, God and love are synonymous. I would say if you want to define God as love, if you say they're synonymous, then, then of course you're right. Uh, I tend to think that, that, that God has to have, uh, in the way it's used uh, colloquially, mm -hmm. has to have a, a supernatural element. And it's the supernatural that I don't believe in. You know, I believe very much in love and family. I have a wife and children, and I've always felt that there's nothing more important than family. Yeah. Time after time I tell myself that I'm So lucky To be loving you So lucky To be The one you run to see In the evening when the day is through I only know What I know The passing years will show You've kept my love so young So new And time after time Say that I'm so lucky to be loving you.
Thanks so much for uh, for checking out some of the songs. I see that uh, that you guys liked a few of the songs. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful. I'm honored that you guys would like it. Thank you so much.